This is episode 14 of the Inner Olympian Podcast. You're rocking with the best. Everyone, it's Baladi Ajamale. Hey, it's Kira. Hey, everybody, Jared Curry here. Hey, everybody, it's Marissa Papa Constantino here. Hey, everyone, it's Misha Powell. Hey, I'm Pierce Lepage. Hey, guys, Alicia here. Hi, guys, this is Tia Devin. Hey, guys, my name's Khadija. Make sure you check out the Inner Olympian Podcast. I want you to head over to the Inner Olympian Podcast. Check out the Inner Olympian Podcast. Check out the Inner Olympian Podcast. And I want you guys to check out the Inner Olympian Podcast. I want you all to do me a favor and go check out the Inner Olympian Podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is episode 14 of the Inner Olympian Podcast. I'm your host, Shagun McIndey, and I'm really grateful for you taking time out of your day to uh, spend with me. I'm hoping to bring you a lot of value through my guests and their insights and their experiences, and hopefully um, you're able to take what they've learned and apply it to your life and um, get some more clarity and maybe some focus and maybe something that you might be going through, uh, whatever it happens to be. Uh, my guest in this episode is 2016 Canadian Olympian and bronze medalist, Balade Ajamale. Uh, Balade is a nine-time national team member, high school officer champion, 17-time Pac West conference champion, 20-time All-American, 10-time NCAA champion, NACAC gold medalist, and of course, 2016 bronze medalist, and also graduate from the University of Art. Um, in this episode, we kind of chat about you know his Olympic experience and NCAA experiences, um, transitioning from you know the junior ranks to the senior ranks, um, the mindset that he uses to approach competition, and some of the insights and wisdoms he has you know picked up and learned along his journey um, so far. Now, me and Bilotti actually go way back uh, a couple years to 2016. That's kind of when we first. Uh, met on the Olympic team in the 4x100 meters, and uh, we kind of known each other since then, and um, currently uh, train out of the same group, so it's pretty exciting to have him on the podcast. And it was really cool just to kind of sit down and chat and kind of see his perspective, I think, from the Olympic Games, but just also, you know, some of the things that he's learned and picked up. And I, it was pretty interesting for me to kind of see a different perspective. We share some similar experiences, but to be able to see it from his side. I think was really interesting. And also, you know, we have some pretty good laughs in this. So I'm, I, I'm sure that you guys will laugh along with us. And um, overall, just a, a really good chat, a really good conversation. And um, a, lot of, a lot of good insights into just, you know, the mental aspect of um, transitioning and, and focusing and knowing what to focus on and not letting other people kind of um, dictate your your actions so really great episode um lean in and i'm sure you're going to get a lot from it so without further ado bloody going on everybody uh shaka magandy here i'm here with bolade cheese <laughs> for those of you who probably know or don't know i'm here with bloody ajamale he is a High school officer champion, 17-time Pac-West Conference champion, 20-time All-American, 10-time NCAA champion, and NACAC gold medalist in 2019, and also 2016 bronze medalist. What's going on, Matt? Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Nothing much, man. Thank you for having me. Really yeah, appreciate it. Good to be here. It's all good, man. How, uh, how you been, man? How you been handling uh, 
COVID. I mean, I know a little bit since we trained together, but uh, how you've been handling it, uh, how things been going. Everything's going well in terms of the COVID situation. I've been doing a lot of working at home, uh, trying to create new, come up with new ideas, new content, working on creating a business with my dad um, after the loss of my grandpa um, in kind of remembrance of him. Um, it's called Gemini 8. Um, it's a broadcasting company where we just kind of go through and film film funerals, birthdays, weddings, whatever it is that family members around the world can't go to. Um, it's based in Nigeria. So that's what we've been working on lately. Um, I'm also coaching as well as um, trying to find new avenues to reach out to people in terms of social media and all that stuff. Okay, so I know a little bit about how you got to where you are. But for those who probably don't know, give a run through how you got to, um, or kind of your journey from Nigeria to London. Mm. Um, some people don't know probably about that part. And then to, you know, you know where you are now, uh, training for uh, Tokyo 2021. Yeah. Um, like you said, I was born in England, London, England. Lived there for quite some time and then moved to Nigeria, um, where I was till I was 11. Then I came to Canada. and. Um, I always enjoyed doing track and I put the quotes because in Nigeria, they always had like the inter-house sports where like I would compete, but it was never anything serious. It was just for jokes. It was just for fun activity to keep the kids, the kids active. But um, once I got into grade 10 was when I made my first offset. Um, didn't do too well there. Made the final though and uh, came sixth, I believe. Um, and then after that, I started training with Flying Angels. Um, and they really started to nurture my talent and abil- abilities. I then after, I think next year, actually in 2012, I went and competed for Canada in the World Junior Games, Junior Championships in Barcelona. And that was kind of my first taste of an international meet. And I didn't even know that existed until I got the notif- like the email saying, hey, you qualify for this and this. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know I was qualifying for something. But okay, let's, let's do it and see what's up. Um, after that, I, I think that was when I really fell in love with the sport. Um, and I decided I wanted to see how far I can really take it. So I continued going on. Then 2014, I went to World Juniors again. Um, and then that year, I was supposed to go to university. But things kind of things got a little bit shaky where I couldn't go Division One because of some you know requirements for my transcripts. And I was missing some courses and all that. And I ended up having to... I ended up the last week of August where I was supposed to go to school. I ended up not being able to go D1 because of my transcript. Um, tried to reach out to some junior colleges. They all said they don't have money. Tried to go to look at D2 schools. And they all said because of my partial ineligibility for D2, they all said they weren't willing to pay for me to come my freshman year. It wasn't until uh, Academy of Art University coach contacted me and was like, hey, I heard you're looking for a school. You know, I know you can't compete, but I'm willing to give it a chance and see what happens. And I applied the next day, got into school the day after that, and moved from from Toronto to San Francisco, California, within the span of a week. So yeah. that just, you know, going to college happened in the span of a week. Going to the school I went to happened in the span of a week. And I ended up falling in love with the place. And I stayed there my entire collegiate career. Um, while I was there, like you mentioned, I competed at the PacWest Conference, undefeated champion, uh, <laughs> um, 17-time champion in the PacWest Conference. Um, then NCAA was 20-time All-American and 10-time NCAA champion over the course of the four years that I competed in the NCAA. Um, then during that time, it was on and off where I'd compete for Canada as well, internationally, the Olympics, um, Worlds, 
relays, indoors, outdoors, whatever you, you name it, Pan Ams. Um, it's been an interesting path that I've been led on because certain, there are certain times where I definitely doubted myself, but I had to persevere and see, like, I made the decision to push through and see where I could really end up with it. And that was, it's been worth it. It's definitely been worth it. Why track and field versus versus soccer versus um, any other sport? And then I, and I say soccer purely, purely because, I mean, we're Nigerian. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I know. I know. Um, I think, um, I mean, you nailed, you, you got it spot on. I, I used to play soccer uh, in high school as well. And um, I, I loved soccer. I enjoyed it. But I think something that I didn't enjoy as much as soccer is as much as I enjoy watching it and playing it is fun and all that. I think that aspect of having to rely on other people as well, like I can only do so much on the field, right? And everybody else has to do their own part for us to win. And I think that got a little bit frustrating just because there's a, there's a clear path that this guy can take and he's not doing it. He wants to either showboat or he's too scared or something. And I just didn't like that concept of having to rely on somebody for me to lead a prosper. Of course, at the end of the day, like, yeah, you, you could have been an all-star on the soccer team and end up doing whatever, whatever. But it just, it just threw me off at, when I was in high school. And then when I started doing track, it was like, this is solely on me. I can train the way I need to. I can understand myself to the point where this is the path I want to take and I need to take and I can take it. I liked that track was very, although there was a, a team aspect to it as well when it comes to relays and even training groups, I liked that it was very concentrated on me and I could focus on me and do that. I also enjoyed the fact that it was, it was, it was closer to, it was closer to something I'd been doing when I was younger. When I was younger, like I mentioned, the interhouse sports, like we didn't have, we didn't, I wasn't playing soccer that much. Like we'd only play it during like our, our break time mm-hmm. in school. And um, whereas interhouse sports, like it was a big thing, like it was huge. And everyone always like, you know, and I was like, yo, you know, this is something that, this is something I want to continue doing and just see how far I can do it. Like it was fun as a kid, but let me see as an adult, if I can actually continue to do this. So that's why I really stuck with it. And then once I start, like I mentioned, once I started making those teams and meeting all these new people, traveling to all these different places, I was like, Oh yeah, no, I'm home. This is where, this is where I belong. Mm-hmm. So what would you say like a clear turning point for you was between deciding, okay, track, it's track and field from here on now. That that point was the year I made offset. So grade 10. Because that year I, so grade nine I played, so I was on the soccer team. Grade 10 I was on the soccer team. And then um, later on in the spring, I was like, my coach was like, okay, well, we're not going to have soccer next fall in grade 11. So um, why not do track and, and, you know, really, really try to get in shape for the, for the fall season. And I was like, okay, sure. Why not? Mm-hmm. I did it. And um, I qualified for OFSA the first time and I made it to the final at OFSA. And, you know, in high school, OFSA was this big thing. And for me to make that final, you know, I'm also a champion too. So, you know, for for me, OFSA was this big thing. And for me to make that final, I was like, hmm, okay, this is cool. But then competing at like YRAs, like my regionals, and then going to OFSA and seeing people like Andre Ford, who... You know, everyone knew who he was, his faces on newspapers. I'm like, wow, this is mind-blowing. And I was like, okay, well, I'm racing against this guy now. Um, I didn't like losing. I hated the fact that I went to offside and I lost. And so once I got the opportunity to actually train and get better at it, 
and I did, and I started to get better at it, those were the, the defining moments. And okay, this is kind of along the path of where I want to go as opposed to soccer. Going from high school to, to college, and you went to the Academy of Art, which is not a school known for track, number one, and not a known school that you right. would, no one would even yeah. decide to be like, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, Academy of Art, 100%. Some people, you know, they opted to go down and, you know, do the JUCO route mm-hmm. and then come up with the JUCO route. Why didn't you want to do that? Or was that an option for you? Were you considering doing that versus going down? I mean, I know you mentioned that there was some stuff that was going on between you know, getting the, some of the courses were missing for you, right. transcript and things like that. So why opt for D2 to go down for D2 versus maybe waiting or holding out or trying to figure out a way to end up at a D1 or was going trying to, or was going to D1 the final along and then it just happened to be like, you know, this is my my spot. Right. So the, the plan always was to end up in, in a D1 school. Um, and once I signed with Alabama, I was like, yes, I did it. Um, and then when it turns out that I couldn't go, I did try to go to the JUCO route because I'd seen a lot of other guys who had gone to JUCO as well and then came out and gone D1 from there. I mean, like I mentioned, Akeem. Akeem went to JUCO, and mm-hmm. when I spoke with him at Alabama, he let me know that he did go to JUCO. So that's why I started looking into that. Um, but at that point, it was so late in the year that they didn't have any more money to give to an international student at that. Um, the The initial plan go when I signed with with Academy of Art was to go there for one year and see how I liked it. If uh-huh. I liked it, I would stay an extra year and then compete the second year. Um, and then if I, and the way the, the way coach, his name was coach, coach Charles Ryan, the way he talks to me about it was at any given moment, any year at the end of each season, if you decide you want to go, I have no problem. I'll release you. Right. That was, that was the agreement he and I had. And, um, after my freshman year, I, I was like, okay, let me try Let me, let me look into going D1. But then I also thought to myself, you know what, this man gave me an opportunity um, and he took a chance on me. So let me, let me actually take a chance. Cause at that point, at, the, at the, my freshman year, I wasn't losing anything. I was, I won something, you know? So I was like, you know what, let me, let me take that opportunity and see what it's actually like. Mind you, we already had a 400 meter champion at the time. We had a long jump champion and then we had a female on the team. Well, she, she left just the year before I got there, but she had won NCAAs. She went to world university games, uh, and won the hurdles over there. So I was like, okay. They've got a couple of good people. Let me see what it's all about. So I came back that second year and gave it a shot. And that was the Olympic year. That was the year I ran my, my personal best in the 60. That was the year I went to World Indoors, came 10th there. Uh, ran 10, 15 in the 100. So after that freshman year, I was like, hmm, well, I'm running times that D1 people are running anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm accomplishing things that some of the D1 athletes haven't accomplished. Yeah. And I've always thought of myself as a creative person. And it was an environment where I was allowed to be creative. Why change it? Why, if it's not broken, why, why try to fix it? So okay. I decided to stay another year again. And it continued to just progress where the, the longer I was there, the more I was gaining from it. And I was like, okay, I'm at a program now where the things are kind of built around my progress. And, you know, we're gathering new athletes too, based off of, the, based off of my name and what I've accomplished. And so we're formulating these this team so that eventually we can win a national t- championship at 
at nationals. That was why I stayed. I felt like I had started to build something there that I probably wouldn't have been able to build at a D1 school. I probably would have been just one of the other athletes who can run 10-1 as mm-hmm. opposed to athlete who can run 10-1. And uh, I thrived in that environment. Yeah, it's smart. It's just like positioning yourself. I guess the way it was going to be best for you. 10-time NCAA champion, 20-time All-American. Um, talk about your Rio year now, going into Rio. You know, you're giving this thing a, a, a shot now and you're seeing all these things start to build up. Walk me through that, the build up into the Olympic year. Well, it was it was a disaster. Um, <laughs> that year, I had heard of a couple of athletes who were in D2 as well. So I'll start with D2 and then I'll, I'll go off and, and talk about um, outside of school. But I had heard of a couple of athletes in D2 who, you know, this one guy wins the 60 and, and wins the 200 all the time. And he's running crazy times. And my freshman year, I remember looking at the results at national. I was like, damn, I can do that. Like, why am I sitting down? I can do that. And so that freshman year, I came out. I think my personal best in the 200 at the time was like 20 indoor was 21.4 or something like that, 21.5. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember my season opener. I'll never forget that race. I ran 21.1. And I was like, yo. I, I really, I looked at the clock and I put my hand on my head and I was like, whoa, I was like, whoa, this is almost faster than my outdoor PR. And from that moment, I was like, yo, I'm going to the Olympics. I, and I said it right there. I was like, I'm going to the Olympics. And people were kind of like, oh, kind of, you're running 21 still. Like you have to run faster than 21 to go to the Olympics. I'm like, no, I don't care. I'm going. Then we had a couple, when I finally opened up in the 60, I think the meet after that, I ran 665 to open up and everyone was like, oh okay, that's kind of that's kind of fast. And I was like, nah, that's not fast. But I'm going though, I'm going. And I, I told myself the entire year, the entire season, I kept repeating to myself, I'm going to the Olympics, going to the Olympics. Um, I won the NCAA, I won my first title in the 60 that year, when 657. So this is, so you'll hear a lot about me telling you a lot about tears. This was the first moment of sigh of relief because in that moment I felt, I was extremely excited. I was extremely relieved that, I had come up, come back from an injury with my hamstring and for me to run a personal best that I hadn't touched in. So that was, that was 2016. So two years, 2014 was the last time I ran uh, 662. And then I ran 657, broke the facility record. I think it was the second fastest time recorded in D2 history. And I just started crying. Like I was bawling in my coach's arms and she grabbed me and she was like, you can't cry. Right. Don't let them see you crying. I was like, like, okay, okay. <laughs> I wiped my tears because I, I had to run the two hundreds. So I wiped my tears and went went back ran the two hundred. I came second by point oh one, and we both broke the NCAA record, uh, the D two record in that race. And either way, like every my coach was kind of sad because she was like, I wanted you to win that. But I looked at her and I was like, Don't worry, it doesn't even phase me out. I wasn't phased at the point that the fact that I lost. I was just so happy that it was such a breakthrough moment. And the f- that was the first time I ran 20 point period. Mm. And I, I was just such a breakthrough moment that I was like, don't even worry about that. And then I went to uh, world championships, world indoors that same year after that, uh, after that meet, I literally flew from uh, Pittsburgh to Oregon to run the, the 60 over there. My head coach came, coach Kevin, uh, my mom came and I ran the heats qualified for the semis, ran the semis. I think I just missed it, and I ran 660. So I didn't run slow. I didn't mm. run slow. I was, just, I was just exhausted. I think I was just tired from having to run two back-to-back weekends, traveling. It was just exhausting. And um, regardless, I still produced my second fastest 60-meter time. And 
I remember telling myself, I was like, yo, this means I'm going to the Olympics. Like I came 10th. <laughs> I was like, I came 10th at World Indoors. I just missed the final. Like, yo, whatever, I'm going. It doesn't matter. It doesn't phase me. And I think that really helped me a lot. Just continuing to tell myself that it doesn't matter onto the next one. It doesn't matter onto the next one was something that really, really, really helped me that season. Um, and then came outdoor and I'll just go to, to the NCAA championships. I ran 10.25 um, and 20.5, both personal best. And I came third in the 100 and second in the 200. And my coach was pissed. She was so upset. And I was like, coach, don't worry about it. You got something bigger going on. I was very, very upset as well it, that day. But the day after, I was like, okay, on to bigger, better things. And I was like, I'm going to Olympus. I remember somebody specific tell me, isn't the standard 10.16? I was like, yeah, and? And they're like, you ran 10-2. I'm like, yeah, okay, so? And then came time for Canadian Nationals. And I remember, I remember I was racing against Andre in the heats. And I was like, yes, this is exactly what I need. This is exactly what I want. Like, going into SAAs, it was like, I don't know what these guys are capable of. So I guess I'll try my best and see what happens. But going into Canadian Nationals, I knew what you were capable of. I knew what. Andre was capable of, I knew what Akeem was capable of, I knew what Brendan, Gavin, I knew what all these men were capable of. So I knew it's not a matter of try. You you have to do it. Like you have to do it. There's no longer, oh, I'm gonna go to the Olympics. You can't say it anymore. Now it's time to do it. So that focus in that moment was like, it was unbelievable. Cause I I remember getting out of the getting out of the blocks and running, and I was ahead of Dre for quite some time. And then he passed me by just, but it wasn't even like he passed me and took off. He passed me and was just a hair ahead of me. And I remember looking at the clock and I was like, yo, I had to run the standard. Was, I was flying. I was moving that race. I was gone. There's no way. And I saw that time was 10.15. And I, uh, I was a little bit, you know, I was like, okay, okay, final time, finals. Went to the finals, ran 10.24 um, and came fourth. And then I remember going to get treatment from Danielle and, uh, Glenroy came out to me, you know, touched my shoulder and was like, hey, Bilotti, did you, uh, did you sign the relay, the relay agreement? I was like, what relay agreement? He goes, uh, go on to Canada, find the relay agreement and sign that for me for, to, before the end of the day. And I was like, okay. I still didn't know what this meant. This is how naive I was at that time. I still didn't know what that meant. And Danielle was like, you're going, you're going. And I just started crying, bawling my eyes out. Because I was also partially injured in my groin. So like it hurt, it hurt me to run that race. And when he told me that, I was like, yo, okay. So I have two options now. I can either go and run the 200 tomorrow, you know, try to widen the possibility of me going, or I can put all my eggs in this basket and pray for the best. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, if I run this 200 tomorrow though, it's two rounds. I'm going, I might end up hurting myself because I know it's a longer race. I have to do the same thing I did in the 100. For an extra 100 meters? Oh, God. So I just decided, okay, sign the relay agreement, uh, send it off, and just just pray for the best. And that's exactly what I did. Didn't find out till so the day after was 200. And then the, that night, so the night of the 200 was when um, the emails came out telling, telling, confirming that I was going. And then I cried again. <laughs> I cried again. I was, so, I was so happy. It was such a sigh of relief. Like, that whole season was unbelievable. And then to go from there to the Olympics and actually win a medal there was another moment of, of tears. And I remember getting scared. One very important moment was the Diamond League meet. I think this is when I really transitioned from high school, college athlete to 
the idea of being a professional athlete. Um, I was at a Diamond League meet and we were supposed to run the, the, the four by one. And I remember walking by like a little, little pillar and seeing the, just seeing a portion of the crowd and hearing how loud they were. And I looked at air. I was like, oh man, I was like, no, 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 no. Cause I'd never seen a crowd that big and Aaron just grabbed me. He's like, yo, you're here for a reason. You can do it. Don't even stress about the crowd. Just tune, just tone it out, tone it out. They're going to make lots of noise when Great Britain comes out. Just know that they're going to be loud when they mention Great Britain, but just, just keep your calm. I was like, all right, all right. Mind you, I'm running second leg. So I just, be, they just, Glenroy just said, here, toss him with the wolves and see if it survives. And that's what it felt like. And I, I did, I did pretty well. Uh, I think we came third in that race. And uh, that was really when I transitioned from the mentality of, okay, there's bigger things at play than what, you know, the NCAA is and, and AFSA and all that stuff. So that was, that was, yeah, that was my transition. That was that year, that year for me. Talk about what it was like to open the email and then know that you were going to, to the games. It was probably the most nerve-wracking two hours of my life. I don't think I've been more stressed about an email in my life. <laughs> um, once when I knew that they were going to be sending that email out, we were all we were all supposed to be out, you know, enjoying ourselves, partying, having fun, and then also waiting. But like there was that looming, like there was that cloud above everybody's heads. So like no matter how much fun we were having that night, there was that dark cloud over everyone's head that was like, you might not get this email tonight. <laughs> I, I hope you're having fun though. Um, so I was, I mean, I was having fun. I was meeting new people. Again, this is my first introduction to the senior class. And I'm meeting these new people, having fun. And then as it was getting closer and closer to midnight, I was like, yo, oh man, okay. So what's going on? Like, what's going on? And I was, I, I remember checking my phone every like five minutes, every 10 minutes. <laughs> like, no matter what I was doing, no matter what I was doing, no matter who I was talking to, I'd bring up my phone and I'd be like, no, no email yet. Oh, no. And then my phone will buzz. Oh, oh no, no, no. And um, when it finally came, I remember Akeem came up to me and was like, yo, because he, he had seen me checking my phone constantly. So he came up to me. He's like, yo, did you get an email yet? I was like, oh, let me check. And I checked it and I seen an email. I was like, oh, I opened it. And I didn't even tell him what, what it said. I just started crying. I just started shedding tears. And he grabbed me and gave me a hug. He's like, you deserve it, man. You deserve it. You worked hard for it. I was like, you knew? You knew? He was like, well, I got the email, but I wanted to come in there. Because, <laughs> like, you're a good youth. So, you know how Akeem is. Akeem is a very supportive person. So, like, he was, he didn't want to disappoint me. He wanted me to, he wanted to come and just check up on me and see, like, what it was before going further. And I really appreciated that. And uh, after that, the rest of the night was so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> I could breathe. I'd have to keep checking my phone. I could put my phone down. I was like, yo, I'm on the team. But then at the same time, it was so conflicting because while there's the group who made the team, there was also the group who didn't. Yeah. And you could see, while I was crying because I was happy, I could see tears because mm. people were And I was like, yo, okay, wait, hold on. Like, what, what do I do now? Like, some of my friends aren't going and they're over here crying, but I'm happy. So, like, mm -hmm. what do I do? I just kind of was like, whoever I could tell was upset, who I knew I would you know, talk to. It's okay. Like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. On to the next one. And people started, people slowly started leaving. So you could tell that like, their night was ruined. Their night was done. The whole night was done. Finished. Yeah. They started leaving. 
but like the people who made it, <laughs> we were all just there like, yes, yes. Um, and it, the night, I mean, the night wasn't ruined for me because people were upset. I, I was, I was on cloud 3000 at that point. I was just so excited about it. Yeah. I, I, I went to sleep. I'm like, I, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this <laughs> just right now. <laughs> no, way. no way i couldn't sleep i could not there was no way i was going to go to sleep I yeah sleep. no way what's something that you've had to develop like a skill i guess or a mindset you've had to develop kind of along your journey through you know your time kind of going through high school and, and you know even up to that olympic year i mean that's only one year that we talked about because you finished school after that a couple more years but even like okay so past that point now you have the medal now you're going through school it's like a mindset or what's something that you know, you've learned to develop or had to develop or realized you had to develop kind of along like your, your, your journey so far? Um, I'd say it's two things. So first thing I'd say is patience. As much as, as much as it sounds like a cliche answer, I was a very impatient child. And um, I always wanted, what I wanted to achieve, I wanted to achieve it now. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter how I had to do it, I, I wanted to achieve it right now. And something I learned, you know, when I pulled my hamstring, um, pulled my hamstring, strained my groin, all the injuries that I had gone through, it really taught me that you can't do this now. You have to wait. And I, I as time went on, I started to develop that, that patience. And that's really what got me to understand that, okay, you may not have won the 100-meter championship your freshman year you may not have won the 200 meter championship your freshman year but you waited and you were patient and you knew you know you knew that going forward there is more you can accomplish that like a standard was what i wanted to accomplish mm -hmm. there was another time when i didn't expect to do it and i did do it um even i think it was my 2018 um i think my is that my junior year oh, yeah my junior year Previous prior to that, I always wanted to run twenty point four to hour faster. I was like, yo, I ran two five, like twenty point five. I don't want to run faster than that. I want to do faster than that. And I didn't do it for so long. And then twenty eighteen came, and I ran twenty forty five. And mind you, the entire season, the fastest I had run going into that championship was twenty point seven, and I did it once. And every other time was twenty point eight or twenty point nine. And I really, the way my the way Coach Kevin coached us it was really just you're going to go through some pain during the season you might run slow but you qualify for nationals though just wait for it and the nationals you'll show out and that's what happened every single year every year throughout the season yeah i might have some de decent times but it was i would never i don't think indoor i mean outdoor excuse me outdoor i had never gone into the championship ranked higher than eighth hmm. but going into nationals i've never been higher than eighth it's either nine ten or eight but every year i came out except my freshman year i came out on top and so i really really learned a lesson in patience um through through those little moments um another one the other thing that i'd say helped me through was resilience i would never no matter how many times i got i lost a race or whoever beat me or how bad they beat me or whatever I wasn't going to sit down and just take the beating. I, I'd be, like I said, I'd wait for my opportunity to strike. And, but when I did strike, I'd make sure that it's, it's a good strike. Right. Um, 
So I definitely, I definitely learned those two things through my entire career so far. And, and it's helped me so much. So even in during these times of, of COVID, you know, it's, it's tough mentally for athletes, for people just going to work for students. It's a tough period because there's so much uncertainty. And I think just the, the, those two things I mentioned, just patience and resilience is what's allowing me to, okay, you couldn't go to the Olympics this year. Just wait next year. Something bigger and better will happen. Um, you couldn't go to world indoors this year. Just wait, something bigger and better will happen next year. And then that resilience of, okay, I have to continue trying. I have to continue training as hard as I can. I have to continue with my diet. I have to continue with hydration. Just those things that I've picked up on as time has gone on, it it really, really helped me and is helping me get through um, a lot of tough times. The actual Olympic Games. Right. The actual Olympic Games. Great. Qualified in Rio, doing other stuff, going about other stuff, you know come to race day, walk me through how you were feeling and what your your mind was like going into uh, the heats, running the heats. <sighs> I was scared. That is the first, that's the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of that. I was scared. Um, the reason I was scared wasn't because, wasn't because I felt like, oh, I'm not fast enough. It wasn't because I felt like I hadn't trained hard enough. I was scared because this was this was the first time that you know I've been to world juniors I've been to world indoors but this is the first time where I could actually feel the weight of the whole country on my shoulders you know what I mean not not necessarily just mine but this is the first time that I could feel that weight of these people are depending on you to represent them the best ways possible and of course you know with all those uh, smaller teams of course, your country is supporting you. Your country is proud of you. But this is the Olympic Games. Careers are literally literally made or broken at these races. And so I was terrified. And I, I think race day, it really helps to have guys like you, Brendan, Aaron, Andre, and Akeem, you know, just kind of the way you guys spoke about it, the way you guys spoke about the other teams that you've been on, like when you guys went to Worlds uh, 2013. And the way you guys just spoke about these meets, it made, it really calmed me. And I never, I don't think I ever mentioned it to any one of you because I didn't want to let you guys know that I was scared. But the way you guys spoke about those other meets kind of calmed me down a little bit. And it helped me to understand that, okay, you know what? These guys have done all of this stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm here because when it came time to step to the line, I ran beside them and qualified for this team. So when it came to, when Glenroy told me that I was running in the heat, I felt like my heart was about to explode. And in that moment when he said that, I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> so silly. I was like, oh yeah, cool, 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 cool. But in my mind, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I, was, I was freaking, like, I, I wish there was like, I wish we could have like an animation of what my, like what my brain was doing in that moment. Cause it was just like some guy in my head, just like, jumping up and down i was freaking out on the inside but i was like yeah of course no problem sounds good cool and uh came race day i didn't say much i tried to be i tried to be my normal jokey self but i didn't say much because i i I couldn't we went for breakfast and i couldn't eat we we did a little shake out i i felt like 
I felt like my legs were already like jello. I was like, I can't shake, I can't shake jello. Uh, <laughs> and I, I was I was a nervous wreck, but I never let you guys see that because the same way I was trusting in you guys for the for the four by one, the same way I was trusting you guys to get us through that line is the same way I knew you guys were trusting on me. So I was like, okay. Let me not let them know that I'm this terrified because I can't put any doubt in anybody's head. Everybody's here for a reason. And I'm the new one here, right? So I got to step up to the plate and do the best that I can. And it came time for the heats. And I, I, I can't even, I don't think I can tell you what was going through my mind like, as I was walking through the tunnel. I blacked out. I, I blacked out. I, I don't remember what was going through my mind when I was, when we were being ushered in. I don't remember. The only thing I remember was Glenroy telling us good luck. And then I was on the track and I was like, oh God, I'm here. Like, what? oh man. And I looked around, as I mentioned, the Diamond League before, that was the biggest crowd I've ever seen. It wasn't that crowded in, in Rio. Like uh, uh, certain sections were, but it wasn't as, I was like, oh, this is less people than there were in London. Okay. Okay. That's, that's a little bit ne- less, less nerve wracking. And my parents were in the crowd too. And I was like, okay. Okay, so if I mess up here, people really will be disappointed. Okay, hold on. Let me let me try to figure out. And I'm counting my steps. <laughs> I was counting the steps. And I was like, wait, is it is it 27? Is it 28? Is it 24? 20? And I was just, I was I was so nervous at the time. And I didn't want people to like there was a part of me that was extremely nervous, but I think it was overshadowed by the confidence that I had in myself. And so I got down my mark. I did my shout out, came back. And then I blanked out again. I was like, oh God. And then the next thing I remember, so after I put down my steps, the next thing I remember was Brendan coming into me. And I started running. I got the baton and I was, I was like, <laughs> I was like, God, please don't let them catch me. Please don't let them catch me. Because when I got the baton, I think we were, we were either in second, close to the U.S. or, or right, we're right next to China. One of the two. And I started running. And I was like, okay, we're, kind of, we're second right now, second right now. And then I started tightening up. And then we like, I, I saw the, the Chinese athlete kind of just, just take a just slight little edge ahead of me. And I was like, no, 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 no. And then I, I dipped. I don't think I dipped that hard in my life. I was like, ah, ah. I dipped. And I looked at the results. I saw we came third. I was like, yeah, yes, yes. But I knew we made the final. I was gassed. I was so happy. I was so excited. And I, I went back to the, to the, uh, went back, went back to the, to the warm up area. Everyone was really happy. Everyone was like, wow, you did great. Blah, blah. I was like, yes, I did. I was, I was, I was, I was, nervous for a I was scared at all. I was scared at all. I was about lying, lying to myself and everybody. I was scared at all. And then I afterwards went to go see my parents and we took pictures and, uh, went back to the, to the village. And the next day, we had the final. I knew I wasn't running the final. And after we had done the warm up and we had done some exchanges, and the guys left in, we were watching it, you know, in the back. And they came fourth. And I was like, oh, all right, well, we tried. And I went back to, I went back to go grab my bag. I was going to go like wait around the bus area for them to come back and so we can all just dip. And um, Danielle ran over to me. Wait, Bolani, Bolani, wait. The U.S. got DQ'd. U.S. got DQ'd. I was like, wait, what? What? Wait, wait. wait what place did they come? So now I'm doing math in my head. Like, wait, they came third. So, and they got DQ'd. So we, okay, so we, and um, turned. So then, so then we're, we're now in third. 
And I started crying again. I was like, yo, why am I crying so much? Like, what's wrong with me? Get a hold of yourself. I started running. And then Peter, at the Peter, who was the president uh, at the time of Veg Canada, grabbed me by the wrist and starts yanking me towards the um, <laughs> towards the conference area. And he's pulling me like that. And he's running over there. And I was like, okay, where are we, where are we going? He didn't tell me where we were going. We were just going. And we get to this one area. This lady stopped us and she was like, you guys can't come back here. She said, no, 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 no. He ran the heats. He won a medal. He won a medal. I was like, oh, wow. And we got, we went through, saw the guys. We dapped each other up, gave each other hugs and everything. And we went and, and had the little conference. And then I remember you came in after that. And we're all sitting down there just, just talking and just seeing things. I'm like, man, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> and, and we're sitting we're sitting we're sitting on the uh on the panel and i look over i see usain bolt making jokes at us and i'm like is he, is he talking to us you talking to us and i <laughs> i was just on i was just on a different wave of excitement during those times those days were were honestly great and and then we went what the next day we went for for a little little trip almost missing the bus to take us to the airport but that's that's unimportant. We almost missed the bus, but we had fun though. <laughs> yeah. We got lost in Brazil for a little bit and then found our way back. Finally got there and the bus was literally about to leave. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're here. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait, we're here. Yeah. Okay, so now moving from there. Now, now, now you have to finish the rest of your college career, you know, after, after the Olympics, after the medal. So what was that like? It was tough. It was a new challenge for me because prior to that, I was, the highest I had gone was like Sisu. And world university games are world indoors. And I mean, sorry, not even world indoors, but yeah, world, world university games, are probably like the best I'd say I've done before that year. And going back to, to NCAA, it kind of, it lost a little bit of excitement for me. Hmm. So when I went the first time, I was like, oh my God, I'm at the NCAA. It's like, same thing as, same thing as when I went to offset. I was like, oh my God, I'm at offset. But when I went back to school and I had to compete in the NCAA, I was like, man, like this isn't exciting. and it wasn't because I thought I was better than anybody. I knew there was guys who were in, in my division who could still beat me if I allowed myself to slip up or, or if they just had a good day, they could beat me anytime. So it wasn't because I felt like there was a lack of competition. It was just that the environment was different. The, the expectations were different. The weight of the accolade, the weight of the achievement was different. And I, I felt like it was, I was like, okay, well, we're here. We'll do it. And uh, that really, really, really affected me. I think my senior year the most. Out of every other year, I think my senior year was a year where I didn't feel as hungry for mm-hmm. for the titles as as I did the previous year. Because I mean, twenty eighteen, I won all four. I won the sixty, the hundred, the two hundred, and the two hundred. And going to the next year, I lost. I came second in the sixty, won the two hundred, came second in the hundred, won the two hundred. But it wasn't because. Oh, you're you're not fast anymore. I just I just didn't have the same drive that that I had the years before, and it was just like, okay, we're here again. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a certain goal that I wanted to accomplish, and I think because because I knew, okay, I can if I go into this senior year, even if I lose two of those races, I'll still accomplish what I want to accomplish, mm-hmm. as long as I don't lose three, mm-hmm. right? Which was getting the ten titles, twenty time All American. You know, as long as I don't lose three races. I could still accomplish it. So I lost the 60 and I was, you know, I was happy. I was happy for the guy who won because he's actually a friend of mine. I was real happy for him, gave him a hug after, and then came back and won the 200. 
But losing that race gave me the hunger to go and run that 200 because now, okay, well, I'm not just going to go home without anything in my hand. Like, I got to win something, right? Then the same thing happened outdoor. Outdoor, I came second to him again in the, in the 100. And then it gave me the drive to go and run that 200 final. But it was, it was a challenge. It was a different challenge that I wasn't used to um, because I felt like I got comfortable. And while I was comfortable, there was guys who were behind me literally like sniping and aiming for mm-hmm. my head. Yeah. I just, I just wasn't looking at it and it took some, I don't think I ever, I really ever did look at it. I just was going through the motions after a certain amount of time. And, um, at the end, at the end of it, I can say I'm still very proud, extremely proud of what I accomplished, but it was, it was a challenge for me to continue, especially even during conference, like during conference, like I'd go to conference and run the four by one, the 100, 200, 400 and four by four at conference. and it was a lot, but I would go to the meet like, okay, well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll do it. And I, I didn't lose a single race. 100, 200, for all the races that I ran at conference, I won everyone. And it was like, I just want to go back to the Olympics, man. Like, just, just, just take me back to the Olympics, man. Like just taking back to worlds, man. Like, you know, and it wasn't to belittle anybody or disrespect anybody. It's just like, I had reached a level that this is where I belong. And then to come back down a little bit was like, mm, okay, we'll do it if we have to. Hmm. What do you think you learned from like from that, from like going to the Olympics and then coming back down? Did you, did you think you learned anything? Did you gain anything from that or realize something about yourself kind of through that? Absolutely. I learned a couple of things. Funny enough, I didn't learn it till after I left school. Um, I learned that I need to stay on my toes at all times when it comes to track. I gotta stay on my toes at all times because there's, there's somebody in New Brunswick who's trying to get the spot that I have right now. There's somebody living down the street who trains at York the same way I, you know, I've probably seen the person before and never acknowledged the person, but that man could be aiming for my position. And I don't know. I have to stay on my toes at all times so that I can be the best athlete that I can be. Um, if I lose at that point, well, it is what it is. But I, I definitely learned that I, I can't afford to get comfortable with the position that I'm in or comfortable with my talent. Um, at some point, the talent will give out and I have to rely on the hard work that I'm putting in. And that's something that I, I did learn while at school. Um, I also learned that it doesn't matter what race it is. It doesn't matter if it's the Olympic Games or an inner squad meet that's being timed and the results can go up. It doesn't matter. A race is a race and I should go in there to perform the best that I can. I should go in there with the mindset that I'm going to run 10-0 every time. It doesn't matter where the race is being held. I think just because I was 19 at the Olympics, turning 20 in a couple, I think I turned 20 the week after or two weeks after. Um, I was 19 at the time. And I think just because I was so, I was that young, it didn't click in my head that like, this is how I should handle it. So as time went on, I was getting older. I wasn't really thinking about it like that. But like I said, when I left school, I was like, you know, I probably would have done better if I, if I thought about it this way. Mm-hmm. I, probably, I probably would have produced a different times, a different results if I had gone at it this way. So those are, those are the lessons that I took away from it um, after the last NCAA championships. What's one thing that you know now that you wish you would have known back then as you were coming up? I think one thing I, one thing I would have liked to know back then is that I don't know. I actually don't know because I feel like a lot of, a lot of what I accomplished was because of how naive I was being. I was being so naive with, with 
races and going into like championships, going into meets with like, for example, world indoors, like I said, Asafa Powell was in my heat. And I was just so, I was just so young and egotistical that it was like, I don't care. I can still beat him, you know? And I was just so carefree that it allowed me to perform without having to think. Like I, like I said, when I was, when we were walking into the, the stadium for the Olympics, I, I blanked out at certain points of it. I wasn't thinking. I was just doing what my body needed to do. So I think as time started to go on and as the results were coming in and the more races that I was running, I started to think more and more and more and more because I'm now I'm no longer a freshman at school who has nothing, nothing to prove and is just running carefree to now I'm a senior in school and everybody knows that I've accomplished I've gotten 10 eight titles and eight time all 20 whatever all Americans and everyone is mentioning my name and, and this type of stuff and it was like this is a lot right as a freshman no one knew who I was it's just Academy of Art University they have a they have a drag team <laughs> they have sports and now it's oh there go the Academy of Art you know mm-hmm. and as time went on it just started to wear on me and I was thinking too much and I was just not producing what I need to produce because I was thinking so much. So, I mean, I guess that's something that I wish I had known uh, back then. So if I had known that I would end up starting to think way too much while I was competing, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know if it would have helped me stop thinking so much. I probably would have been just thinking like, Oh man, you're going to start thinking. Don't think, don't think. Um, So I don't know. I'm kind of happy. I'm kind of glad that I learned the lesson anyway. But I, I wouldn't go back and tell myself that either because that's something that I needed to learn as mm. I was if I was to go back and tell myself and or someone told me that, I'd be like, nah. But even then I I was probably I was so naive I wouldn't have listened to it either. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know how it was. I wouldn't have listened to it either. I was just going out there to run to to, to prove to myself that I can do it. I don't care what you think. And mm. then it became, it became oh Baladia Jamali, what's he gonna do today? Oh Lord, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired I had a long night you know I might not be able to run as fast as I want to but we'll see and yeah that, that was the difference between my freshman and senior year you kind of let your mind get more into the, the play of things and yeah. considering other people and things like that and also considering going like the whole professional route mm. you know going pro it's like wow when I'm done school the school is not going to be giving me money I'm not going to have those checks coming in guaranteed every month I got to go and like go to Diamond Leagues and run. And if I get beat, I'm not getting any money. Oh, man. You know, so all that stuff, all that stuff really started to get to me. And I was really thinking like, oh, you need to get an agent. Oh, you need to do this. Oh, you need to do that. And the politics of all of it just started to weigh heavy on me. And I was like, oh, my God, like I need to. But I think this year, this season, all of that stuff was washed away. I didn't have my carding this year. So I lost my carding after uh, my season last year. And so I didn't even have that pressure of you have to do this to keep your carding. I already lost it. It's true. I, I didn't have that pressure of, oh, you have to you have to do this and this and this. You have to go and see this people and this person and this person to maintain your carding. Shoot, it's already been taken from me. I don't know. <laughs> it is what it is. 
And so that allowed me to focus on, it allowed me to focus on me. It allowed me to focus mm-hmm. on what I need to do mm-hmm. and what I want to do. And I had gotten an agent and I wasn't thinking, like I, he, I signed with, with Trident uh, Sports Management right out of school. And I wasn't focused on, oh, you know, I have to do this, I have to do this. I already didn't make it to Worlds. I wasn't going. Things were looking bad for me. But at the same time, it was like, now I'm back at square one. I've got nothing to lose, mm-hmm. right? Which was where I was my freshman year, as opposed to the years where I was going. And it was like, oh, you can lose this, you can lose this, you can lose that. I've, I've lost what there is to lose. So, I mean, I have nothing else to do but train, <laughs> try and train hard and, and try to get it back. And that's exactly what I did. Qualified for Worlds in three meets, ran probably the, the best indoor season I've ever had, although the times weren't as fast. I mean, I ran three races and ran 660, which is still to this day the second fastest 60 meter time I've run. And, you know, I was set. It was, and it's crazy that everything came full circle because the last time I had this mindset was the last Olympic year as well. <laughs> it really was that mindset and that mentality that I got back and that's where my head is at right now. And getting back my, my carding as well, like getting back my carding. I mean, yeah, it's, it's nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. <clears throat> But at the end of the day, there, there's more to it than that. I want to be making my own money and not have to rely on, not have to rely on, on the politics of certain things. And yeah, that's really, <laughs> that's really it. Yeah. If you were to go back and talk to yourself, you know, either in, in college or in high school or, you know, I guess you can pick a time or a period, but. If you were to go back to that point, or you can go back to talk to somebody else, like what would be what's one piece of advice that you would give yourself or that other person? In terms of going back to talk to myself, one piece of advice I would give myself is not to get carried away. I think as time went on, I started to get more and more carried away with the limelight. And and, and not not excessively. I mean, I wasn't going out, you know, streaking on the street, talking about I'm an Olympian. But I did get slightly carried away just because my demeanor kind of changed. My attitude towards competitions changed. So like I said before, because I was so young and naive at the time, I only had, I was, I was one track minded. Like I was like, this is what I want to do from I'm going. This is what I have to do. As time went on, I got carried away. And when it was time for me to do those things, and I would be like, this is what I want to do. This one I do. And there's, there'd be those people in the background, like, well, you've already done what there is to do. Like, don't worry about it. Like, you got it, you know? And it's like, that's not what I need to hear. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to tell me you got it. No, I, I got it past tense, right? And I think I started to allow myself to believe that, yeah, I, I, can, I did it once. I could do it again, no problem. And that was, that was completely wrong. That was the wrong mentality because there's people out there who were like, okay, all right, I did it last year. Let's start this year like I never did it before. And that's really the mentality, you know, mindset that I needed. But my entire collegiate career, I, I don't think I had that mindset. I was just like, yeah, you're right. I did it before. I guess I could do it again. And like I said, even going into NCAAs, like my final year, it was like, yo, I've already run. I've already won this race three times. Like, why? Oh my god. Okay, mm. let's run it. Let's run it. And that's what I'm when I so when I say I let myself get carried away. It was I let myself believe what other people were saying as opposed to what how I was supposed to perceive it. I think that was definitely detrimental. 
I mean, it's not like I broke any bones or anything or like I didn't qualify for something I mean, besides worlds. But I think that was something that I would go back and talk to myself quite seriously about. It's like, listen, all this stuff is going on right now. Don't let yourself get carried away. Continue to have the same mindset that you have. Because once I start to change my mindset, my performance starts to change as well. So I would tell myself, like, if you want to keep doing this the way you're doing it right now, like you see this year, 2016 year you had, if you want to continue it like that, stick with the same mentality. But I did. And I think also at the time when I didn't have that same mindset, I was still making those teams. And so that also was feeding into mm. the, the loss of the mindset that I had my freshman year. Because like, okay, so 2018, I mean, 2016 made the Olympics, 2017 went to Worlds, 2018 went to NACAC, 2019 went to Pan Ams. And it wasn't until I didn't qualify for a team because I qualified for every team since. It wasn't until I didn't qualify for a team that was like a smack in the face and was like, yeah, you thought, huh? You thought you could just do whatever you want and continue to just skate on by and, and make it. Then I lost my card in. It's another smack in the face. Oh, yeah, you thought you could just skate on by and continue to get the funding that, that you want. Uh, it was a rude awakening. Mm. It was a rude awakening. But, you know, I woke up and, and decided, like, I, I want to grind for it and go back to, to the basics, go back to my roots and, and the hunger that I had before. It sucks that COVID hit because, I mean... It just kind of put everything on pause for a second. I was like, damn, I was so hungry. Like, man, I was ready. Like, I, I wanted it. But you know what? Same thing. When Whenever the fall starts, I'm not sure about competitions this year, but whenever the fall comes back and we're training again, that same mindset is going to be there because that's the only way I know how to produce what I want to produce. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important to know that for yourself, what you have to do versus what anybody else is telling you that you have to do for sure. Right. Um. How can people like get in contact with you? How can people connect with you? Ah, uh, well, you know, I'm a very social guy. Uh, <laughs> um, no, so Instagram, Instagram is at Belotticus. Um, I'll send it to you. Maybe you want to post it up somewhere. Um, my Twitter is at Belotti A. I don't know if people want Snapchat, but just message me on those two things. Um, if anyone, you know, wants to contact me through email, it's b.ajamali at gmail.com. Yeah, any any one of those ways is is easiest to contact me i do my best to respond to everyone who wants to contact me whenever they do contact me so i have no problem with that at all i appreciate you man i appreciate you coming on appreciate you sharing it's good it's good to kind of go back a little bit and like kind of see different perspectives there's a lot of i didn't know yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was really good man but yeah man i appreciate it man I appreciate your time thanks for thanks for sharing man and um you know, I, I think that you know, a lot of stuff that you shared, I think it's good. Somebody's going to hear that and they're going to be able to really use that. So I appreciate you sharing. No problem. Thank you for having me. It was, just, it was fun. I got a good laugh out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and probably, and probably re-talks to myself about some lessons that I probably started to fade in the back of my head because I've been not thinking about it for so long. So yeah, I appreciate you for that. No problem, man. Hey, thanks so much for listening. That's it for today's episode. I hope you guys have a great uh, day, great afternoon, great wherever you are. For more episodes or for any details about The Inner Olympian or anything like that, you can check us out on Instagram at theinnerolympian.co. You can also check us out at theinnerolympian.com. Also, if you like the show, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a comment, leave a review, leave five stars. I'm just saying, um, as well, if you have any questions, comments, or anything like that that you'd like to share or that you want to hear on the show or any guests or anything like that, um, feel free to send a message to support at theinnerolympian.com or send me a message on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, 
Um, you know, let me know what's going on, and I'll see you guys next time. So until then, peace.